Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Waiting List Podcast. And today I am with my co-host, uh, Long Long, and our guest today, Nopstar. It's great to have you on the show today uh, on this somewhat gloomy Thursday. So um, I think this episode is going to be <laughs> chill. It's sunny right? where we both are. <laughs> like if okay, you look that at sucks. the screen for me and not, it's sunny. <laughs> okay. It's funny because my side, my side's a little gloomy. So maybe it's reflecting my mood. <laughs> I'm a bit down, but it does, down with the flu. Yeah. I, what I realized is because Singapore rains a lot at the end of the year, especially and you think it doesn't affect you, but you're definitely a bit like, oh, it's a rainy day kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah Singapore is funny because I, I always kind of compare it with, uh, with London where mm. it's always raining. But um, the funny thing about it, it's hot one moment and then yeah. hot and humid and then the next moment it's like torrential downpour. So we get kind of used to this weird weather. Um, yeah. But yeah, everyone's down with something right now. But is it? Is it grey like England? Because I'm from England, yeah. right? And I'm not long you studied in England for a bit. Yeah. Like the other day I was, you know, talking to a friend and I was just saying, oh, you know, because everybody's thinking about leaving China, right? Because of the situation mm-hmm. here. And they're thinking, okay, where would you go? So I was like, well, realistically, I can only go to the UK or Hong Kong, right? As an yeah. options, yeah. realistic options. I kind of like don't fancy either of them. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Shanghai, I think generally has pretty good weather and it's not as polluted as like, let's say Beijing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're in England, everybody talks about how gray and gloomy it is, mm-hmm. but you get used to it. Mm-hmm. But when you leave it, you realize how bad it is. You're having a total appreciation of how affects your mood. Like it really, yeah. really does. You know, when people used to come back and say to me, I don't know, I can't do it with the weather. I was like, is weather such a big thing? But it is. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, with Singapore, right, you can at least escape. Like, you never get rained on because everything's connected. If you have a car, and I say this because I keep talking about shoes, like having to only own like four to five pairs in Hong Kong, right? In Singapore, you can step into your car from the moment you leave your house to the car park, to into your car, to the place, you're sheltered. Whereas in Hong Kong, it's like, okay, park an IFC and then walk like, at least one kilometer to where I need to be. So okay. it's, uh, I think in Singapore, yeah, it rains, but you, and it does get a little bit gloomy, but you can always be indoors with aircon. <laughs> it's possible, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, it, it's an efficient place. Um, if you plan your route, you yeah. you never need to, to touch rain, possibly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I had a boss uh, who moved from Australia to Singapore and he was sweating buckets the, the first week he was here. Like he just can't handle the humidity here. It's something that I think we're very used to as Singaporeans. Like some people wear jackets here yeah. in the in the humidity, which is I mean, you know, I'm being guilty of it once in a while. Um and people go like, why are you wearing the jacket? It's mm-hmm. freaking hot over here. But yeah, it's just the the weather's always the interesting thing, right? Like I mean um but it's it also kind of kind of segues into like the kind of watches I wear. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I I kind of don't want to wear leather straps in in Singapore. 
because my my wrist is always kind of palmy, you know, kind of sweaty a little bit. So dress watches are kind of out. Should have made your Instagram like sweaty <laughs> palmy knobs. That's too much information. Yeah, it's too much information. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't really have a nice catch to it, you know. You 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 know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just thinking, like, Singapore must be a shit market for umbrellas, man. You know, if everything's connected, <laughs> oh. like, who needs an umbrella? Must be pretty shit for that. I actually never thought about that, honestly. Yeah. You raise a good point. Yeah. Hmm. But I think you also raise a good point, um, Nop, which is, um, you know, I'm just thinking, if Singapore's that hot, and I, I've never been, by the way, mm-hmm. so I'm one of those people really? who've never been. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've never be, been. you got to yeah. come down. Yeah, like... How does how does that all that sartorial shit go down for guys? Are you just guys in like flip flops and shorts and t shirt? Because you know, I personally think in in hot weather, guys are very limited in what they can wear. You know, yeah. Yeah. let me let me fill let me fill you in. Know, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. I I honestly think it's all a show. <laughs> I just like to say, it. I mean, I'm very practical. Like most of us are, you know, probably. Um, canvas shoes at best without socks you know that kind of things with chinos um like what they see on instagram don't believe it um yeah. with the with the turtlenecks and the the, the fedoras and whatnot yeah. um, that's all that's all bullshit um once they take the photo they're out of it probably in singlets and t-shirts and shorts and whatever yeah, yeah it's impossible like you can't you can't wear that in singapore um walk into the bus stop or you know walking over to the coffee shop yeah you'd be sweating buckets yeah. easy and right. the coffee shops uh, like he's talking about it's not like like starbucks or aircon we're talking about like local coffee shops which is like i i want to say it's like ta tenting in hong kong but it's even it's like a whole different thing i would say way better by the way like way it's better. way better yeah it's I think if I had to choose one coffee to drink for the rest of my life, I would choose like Singaporean style coffee. Yeah, but does it come with good food? Yeah, like that's the thing. yeah. You never run out of breakfast like options in Singapore. Right. Yeah. Really. I don't want to get into a cultural. I don't want to get into like a cultural war here because yeah. I know it's we can get into something really, really passionate. I rather stick to the watches. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, just just joking. No, but uh, I mean. Imagine the conversations we have with our Malaysian friends um, and and our food. Uh, yeah. I don't want to get into that conversation today. That yeah, could be yeah, a I've really like three, three three hour conversation and with no winner in sight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we've kind of like started straight into the podcast, but we haven't actually really fully introduced you. So like maybe we should actually address that. So you're known as Nopstar on Instagram. That's your Instagram handle. But yep. what is your name and why are you called Nopstar? All oh, right. It kind of stuck with me when I was younger. So my name is Nop, right? So I'm Thai. Mm-hmm. But my parents moved to Singapore about maybe close to 50 years ago. Like, you know, part of the uh, initial expat um, move or influx of expats coming to Singapore with all the brain drains elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so they set up business here. And I kind of was born with, um, me and my brother were born here. And uh, we're kind of Singaporean now, uh, as you can tell. Um, I don't speak with the the very sick Thai accent. Um, but when people see the name, they go like, you Thai or you Indonesian? Or... Because the, the surname is, is kind of short for a Thai name, um, for a Thai surname, to be honest. 
Um, but yeah, so it kind of throws people off and I've always had to have conversations like, oh, is it KNOB <laughs> or is it the NOPE or, you know, that kind mm. of thing. So I'm, I'm really kind of used to it. But anyway, so I, like uh, my, my first or second boss kind of gave me this name because I wanted to not start, you know, you, you know, they kind of give you nicknames like in, in the UK, they give you like, like the first syllable and then they just put a za at the back. So for me, it was kind of like not and then star. So one day when I was creating like Gmail accounts, it just put that, you know, just put that name in there uh, and it kind of stuck. Okay. So that shows how creative a lot of British people are just by putting star. <laughs> it's actually very true though. It's a very good observation. The second thing is you must have hit your KPIs, right? Because otherwise you wouldn't be a star, right? So you obviously did yeah. well that day. Yeah. So you said, ah, yeah. oh, not star, you killed it. Yeah. That's how yeah, that stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly how that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can imagine the, the, the scene where he's walking down like to my yeah. cubicle and then he's like, not star, you killed it, mate. Yeah. 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 High fives all around. Yeah, Go for yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. So that was kind yeah. of the... That's how the name stuck. So, talk about the office. You know what I mean? Have you seen that? The office. Uh, it just reminds yeah. me of that. So, yeah, I, love, um, I love that. Yeah. Do you, do you ever like head back to Thailand much? Yeah. I mean, before COVID, it was like a, like a twice a year kind of thing, you know, Chinese mm. year, visits and relatives, you know, um, I see. ancestral, you know, tombstones and whatnot and all that, you know, yeah. um, uh, I see. Yeah. Rituals and stuff. Yeah. So, the usual, but. Yeah. I think with yeah. COVID, we kind of got stuck. Which part of Thailand? Like, Thailand's... Yeah. Um, this, so the, 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 the relatives are all based in Bangkok. Um, but uh, interestingly, my on my father's side, was kind of forest ranger. So he kind of moved around a lot. My dad grew up in a boarding school. Um, so they right. kind of moved around. But anyway, that was totally transparent to me. I kind of like, all I knew was Singapore. Um, so it's funny. I was a joke. Uh, so my colleagues, they call me half part Thai because I'm I'm Thai, but like I'm half fuck. You know what I mean? So it's like they have this really funny nickname for me, where I I can barely speak uh, a word of Thai. Okay, I'm I'm kind of half good at it because I only speak with my my parents at home when they want to lecture me about stuff. Um, so so that you know it, it happens when you're from another country, you move over here and you kind of lose a little bit of that um, identity. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's always been a, a bit of a struggle. Mm -hmm. mm. The Thai, Thai, Thailand is actually a very strong emerging, well, I don't know if it's emerging now, but a very strong Patek uh, market for them because mm. I didn't really realize it because it's, it's just not something you really think about, right? Um, because when you think of Asia, you think it's dominated by China, Hong Kong and Singapore, like in the Southeast Asia region. But um, there was a guy that was, um, he was the head kind of instructor for the, uh, watchmakers here. So he's the trip watch, the key trainer. Um, and he was an expat package from Patek in Shanghai and he's like built it up. And now, you know, I think just before like a year and a half ago, he was telling me that he moved to Thailand Bangkok. and they're right. like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, he's like starting a new service center from scratch and mm. he told me that you know that market has been growing 
like ridiculously at ridiculous pace. So yeah. it's one of those interesting markets to keep an eye on. Maybe it's maybe it's good hunting ground for new stock, to be honest. No, I'm surprised you yeah. think like that because I always thought, um, you know, when you travel and you think, oh, am I going to see any nice watches on people, right? Bangkok yeah. is the one place I'm like, okay, just one mall alone. I don't know how many limited edition APs or paddocks I'm going to see. Okay, let's just say you're not even looking at watches, just looking at like yeah. pins, right? You're just like, yeah. okay, you can't beat these people. And if you look at like, I know that I keep saying like AP, if you look at where they introduce limited edition models and how much effort they yeah. put in, there's a lot of like, um, uh, like models just made for Thailand, by the way, where the colors are okay. crazy. And yeah, I mean, at least on Instagram, I follow a lot of like Thai collectors. I see. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, just to add on to, to that observation, I mean, obviously I know a lot of um, Thai collectors, I mean, at least at a distance. Um, I mean, the AP house started there first before Singapore, which is kind of tells you what, uh, what, well, where, where they value the, mm. the market, um, how many collectors there are over there. Um, a lot of crazy pieces and some private collectors who have like pretty much every, everything in their catalog. Just for, for AP, obviously, I, I kind of yeah. track those a little bit closer. But yeah, I mean, they're very brand conscious as, as with most markets, I think. Um, but uh, they they the, they really don't want to lose out. Like when there's a new trend or like if there's a Tiffany doll, there probably there's going to be some people there who have it already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like, I mean, most people don't, don't think Thailand's that big of a market, but actually it is. Um mm. Like if Singapore doesn't get AP House first, they get AP House. Kind of mm. tells you mm. where the money is going. Yeah. Mm. Right. So let's take a trip down memory lane. Yeah. How did you get into watches? <laughs> yes. Um. So the first, I, I kind of got into watches. Uh, my first job, like I think we we talked about it before. Um. I, I'm in the IT industry. Um. Mainly software. Uh. Cybersecurity software. So. Like my first job, uh, straight out of uh, national service, I got a got a job um, in, in this cybersecurity company, and I think my my colleagues back then were all all about a Panerai. Right? This was uh, rewind, I guess, thirteen years ago, thirteen fourteen years ago, um, back in I think two thousand seven, six or seven, I can't remember. And the, the I I chanced upon this uh this colleague's wrist and, and he was wearing a, a PAM two three three, which is a dot dial, their first eight days in-house manual wine with the linear kind of power reserve. Uh, and and something about it just struck me like it looked different from your usual tags or whatever. Um and I kind of got kind of bought, got hooked and back then it was oversized watch tray uh craze. Um so I, I knew I wanted to get something like that. And I was fan miles like in my twenties and you know I didn't have a lot of money. So I was like you know um saving up to to go buy something from a grey dealer, uh, from a secondary watch seller in Far East Plaza. So Far East Plaza is kind of like your I don't know where's the equivalent in Hong Kong, but it's like you know those places with like yeah. just a bunch of watch shops, nothing but watch shops. So yeah. I picked up my first piece there, and that was kind of like the start of the rabbit hole. Um, I never turned back. And fast forward, uh, maybe about six months later, I, I kind of discovered AP. Um, I remember seeing a picture of a uh, bumblebee, uh, the the 
you know, the really nice production, um, professional photography um, picture of of an of a, of a bumblebee sitting on the on like a, like a metallic table, and I'm like, damn, I gotta buy this watch. It's like so cool, like watch carbon ceramic, you know, neon yellow. Mm-hmm. It's like something about it just looks so crazy, so out there. And I remember, I think I told you the story. Um, I remember uh, back then there was no such, there was no Instagram. Um, it was purely forums, purely like, you know, purist pro, watch pro site, you know, uh, what do you call it? Time zone, mm-hmm. all these old forums uh, that people used to, to trade on. And I remember seeing a post in Hong Kong, this great dealer who was selling uh, a bumblebee over there was like maybe 15K before below retail. And I was like, I'm going to buy this watch. So I remember going to Lucky Plaza, withdrawing like, <clears throat> um, changing like $30,000 in Sing dollars, <laughs> putting it into a bank. And then like, you know, going on budget and, and flying over to Hong Kong and picking that thing up. And I felt like it was like a drug deal going on. You know, like I was like carrying wads of cash giving it to this guy taking the watch and like it was it was an amazing feeling like i, I was high for like half a day i remember i was on the mtr like wearing my watch not trying to get it dinged or whatever and that was kind of like you know it was so ghetto but it was like very very fun and there was no no judgment there was no you know it was just watch geeks just just geeking out you know what i mean like so so that was then now it's kind of different but yeah yeah Okay, so that's a lot there, but I just wanted to mention, you know, was the guy that called you Nopstar wearing the Pam? You know, because I'm getting a really good image of him now, and I think he probably drives a BMW 3 Series. <laughs> uh, I, um, I don't remember the car he was wearing, uh, he was driving, but um, no, that wasn't my boss. It was just a colleague of mine who was, you know, a bit older than I, uh, and, and obviously had more money back then. So it was like, he showed me the watch, and I'm like, shit, this is so cool, like, I didn't know I didn't know anything other than Rolex or you know the, the typical yeah. stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the call when you told me about this story, right? We had a good laugh here because, like, <laughs> obviously you have like your cash and you know you feel ghetto, um, and that drug dealing kind of concept really does enter your mind because you think if a cop actually stops you and looks in your bag, he's actually going to think you're a drug dealer. And then you cannot say, I'm going to buy a watch. Like, he's just going to think that is the shittest excuse you can come (laughs) up with on the spot, right? Like, there's no way you're, even if you say, I can take you, I can take you where I'm going to go, right? Oh, come on. Come over. Like, because I've done a trade like that before. And I was uh, with a bunch of like people and we were, basically selling this rm and so we ended up having a bag full of cash in mcdonald's because the trade was done in mcdonald's (laughs) well you think public area right i mean what what what, very safe yeah you're not looking for privacy you're looking for like maximum publicity when there's loads of people yeah so we were like mcdonald's and you know we're sitting on those chairs which aren't very high yep it's terrible it's terrible yeah, like couldn't but, you have thought about like a like a bank or <laughs> like one of those private private banking booths or something like that? Nah, because anyway. why it was right, it was a deal to get rid of an RM. This wasn't for me; it was for a friend. Like get rid yeah, of an RM, okay. get the cash, and then take yeah. the cash straight up to AP House. Oh, nice. Okay, so, so we had to be in close vicinity of AP House. 
Yeah. Okay. So if you know it's... where AP House is in Hong Kong, right, you'll know yeah. which McDonald's we were in. Damn. Yeah, I, I kind of vaguely remember. Yeah, it's a yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Probably we didn't even pay like a service charge of a cheeseburger or anything. We literally just used their place. Shit. Yeah, yeah like one of those. Bad, right? You took one of those. You took one of those tables where like yeah, there was yeah. the tray was still there. Some yeah, asshole didn't yeah, put it back, yeah. and they oh, I'm eating. I just ate. I just finished yeah. the food. You know. Yeah. So you kind of kicked me out. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and it was like it's like bastards. I don't know if you guys have seen like Infernal Affairs where they're across like a desk. You know, you've got the inspector, and then you've got like the the, the drug guy, right? <laughs> so you know, I'll be like the middle of the guy, and there's a dealer there. Yeah, and we're looking at each other. Thinking this oh, better nice. fucking check this better fucking check out. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the cash yeah, better yeah, fucking yeah. check out. Yeah. And then it's like we I get the phone call and it's like, okay, it's cleared. Okay, you could go now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a briefcase though? You go... No, 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 nothing like that. Uh, no, I mean the briefcase no is out at McDonald's, yeah. But that, that's a bit of no. a story. Yeah, that's 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 hilarious. But yeah, no, it's it's funny because the majority of deals that I've had done in McDonald's nearby, you know, I, I usually do like deals at like the Starbucks near to my place or like, you know, or in, in town or whatever. Yeah, super You're classy. classy like, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm classy like that, you know. That's how that's how we rule. <laughs> but um or even like the coffee shop, whatever, you know, I have some chicken rice and then hey. Like sit down, let's just do a deal on a hundred K watch or something like that, right? So yeah. that's kind of like watch gigs for you, right? Like most people go, like, it is, yeah. "What's going on? What the yeah. fuck is he doing over there?" Right? Like yeah. they're just speculating. But yeah, it's it, it's so it's so weird. It's so ridiculous, especially when you rock up, like you pick up three watch rolls and you got twenty watches. <laughs> you like yeah. spread them on the table, like yeah. this guy's doing. It's like a, a flea market or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned Panerai being like you know the first watch that got you into it. Um, yeah. I'm not a, like a massive um, like expert in Panerai but yeah. to somebody that's like listening you would say a lot of Panerai kind of looks the same right? Yeah I agree um, I agree I totally agree. Yeah so how does one like sound like they're an expert in Panerai? Is there like a nomenclature or is there something that you need to know the basics of before you think okay I kind of have an understanding of Panerai I mean, I think the psychology, I think the category of Panerai um, and the history is very much similar to, I guess, Rolex and, and um, you know, uh, other tool watches. And, and I think that's the, the struggle that they've had is to reinvent themselves and without offending their, their, their fan base, which are very staunch um, purists, you know, they call themselves uh, paneristies. They kind of, like the moment you change something or you add something new or you make the, the case smaller or you make it a little bit more um, dressy, like you're going to piss off a bunch of people, even though, you know, it kind of works, especially for Asians. Like who can wear a 44, mm. 47, 50 mm watch, right? Like only if you're a Schwarzenegger or Stallone, you know, like you got a huge biceps, uh, like gigantic yeah. wrists. Yeah, there's no way an Asian guy is going to wear uh, for you know 50 mm watch uh uh so it's, it's it's kind of the only reason i think is because they're oversized craze back then it was okay to wear something oversized um and i knew a lot of people in the industry i mean uh, colleagues and, and peers who are wearing and they still do like see still see some people wearing that you know how long ago they started play, uh collecting watches like just by looking at you know what they're wearing like okay mm -hmm. this guy's obviously bought this 10 years ago um and you know he loves to watch more power to him right but mm. yeah but it's 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 a struggle like I, I totally agree with you they all look the same 
you 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 only need if you really wanted to collect a panorama. I mean, not to offend, I'm probably gonna offend a bunch of people, but but like you only need one watch. Like honestly, I think with a Panerai, you just kind of like you get one with a dome, a dome glass, you know, 1950s case, something very clean, like a 372. Um, I think you're, you're good. And most people love the 372 because it's kind of like original, like like pure to the, like you know, it's kind of not sacrilege it's not like screwing around with the original design like if you have a skeleton panorama people are like the fuck are you doing you know okay where you know i mean if you put carbon on it you're like mm, uh, i don't know if they use this in the italian navy back in 1942 or some <laughs> shit like that like duh obviously but you need to keep moving forward right like i, yeah. I feel okay to say it like i think panorama was meant to be a, a very underground very like underdog brand like yeah. made, made for purists and it wasn't meant to grow into this global brand um, yeah. because the fans know what they want and they just want this one model and you could just take the the history book and just just you know pick a pick a model and just reissue it over and over again and that's all they care about like mm-hmm. if you change something like put I don't know sapphire glass on, uh, on the dial and and expose the movement or do something crazy, put a tube on, put a gyro tube on, put something on it, and then we'll go like that's that's for me. Like I cannot believe you put this on a better, right? You know? Mm-hmm. They'll piss off all the purists, right? Mm-hmm. So that's well, the problem, I think. Yeah. Well, we 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 said something which was about 10% of that about Seiko, and we got a ton of feedback, right? <laughs> so I, I swear you're gonna get a ton there. <laughs> like, just in that Sorry. little parody of like what you said about uh Paderai. so i'm just going to save you and take you off that and i'm going to say like <laughs> but i will i will leave a leaving comment of clearly you enjoyed it because you wore it for six months <laughs> before you got the yeah. next piece right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, need, um, you need to go through the journey for sure you need to discover okay. what you like to build like yeah okay but could you arguably say the same about you know ap because it's royal oak isn't it like royal oak shape yeah. offshore is royal oak shape how yeah. many aps do you need yeah, I, I totally agree with you. After some, I'm, I think I think that's the thing, right? Like for me, my journey with AP was interesting. It's very ghetto, like like I shared earlier. It's very much like I buy a watch, I wear it for a period of time, I get bored of it, I start it off to buy something else. And this was before I even spoke to a single person in the boutique, right? I mean, back then, no one went into the boutiques. So I think back then we all knew, like you could rock up and pick up a jumbo but no one was going to pay full price for it, right? Everything was kind of on the secondary market at probably 30% off, 40% off at some times. And uh, everyone was buying on, on forums. Like I used to, you know, trade uh, pieces with, with fellow collectors, fellow, you know, watch enthusiasts. Uh, and and it was really fun. Like you got to understand what you liked, what you didn't like. You, you sort of... Mm avoided the, the depreciation, the hit, the initial hit of being a first-time buyer. And, and you know, it just really kind of just um, it allowed you to to really fully enjoy the whole catalog. And I remember I went through everything, like Bumblebee, Volcano, Panda, whatever, you know, Safari, uh, back and forth. You probably, you know, you get a nice piece or you see a good deal, you know, you just pick one up. Um, just to wear it. Uh, and we always used to like to say it was like kind of like rental. If you lost a bit of money, it was kind of like a rental for it. Um, so you didn't really um, worry too much as long as you're not taking a huge hit on it. Um, and that was really just the fun days. Those were the days where there was like everyone was doing it and 
and it was totally fine. Um, and then, you know, back then I remember 2011, 2012, I remember 15,300 was like 11 grand sing. Um, and a jumbo was like 18 grand sing. So it was, it was really easy to buy. And people were like, did you spend 80, 18 grand for a steel watch? Are you fucking crazy? Um, you know what I mean? So that was the kind of conversations we were having. Nobody, nobody was really into it. I think it only started when, like, probably the last six years, five years, when the Nautilus went nuts. Then suddenly everyone's like, I can't get Nautilus. You know, it's looking at Oak. And everything kind of went up from there. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's been a lot harder, I, I, I got to say. Like, it's, I, if I'm a new collector now coming in, I think it must be very stressful and very kind of frustrating for, for, for young collectors. Like, for me, I've had my fun at pretty much gone through the whole catalog, all the limited editions and all the stuff in, in, in the, the, the 13 years I've been sort of like playing watches. Uh, so like if today it's impossible to get any more pieces, you just, you know, screw it, just move on to something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> I think you raise a very good point that, you know, before you could actually sample so much, right? But now the, the, entry, the barrier entry is so high. Yeah. yeah. You, you have to be so kind of, well, you just miss out. It doesn't matter how yep. careful you are. You're just not going to get the same exposure onto pieces as you did before, which is, which is a shame. And it's got to the point where even taking a hit on the watch, people like, oh, I don't want to take a hit on the watch, but you're kind of wearing it though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all that, yeah. a lot of like um, concepts that we have in watches, right? Don't really ha hold up to any other thing that you like have a hobby with, but it's <laughs> the way that like watches have um, developed. But you've seen yeah. like you've gone through that process now of going, you know, having anything and even having it like at discounted prices to now where everything is like waiting list or so-called waiting list. You know, what is your, right? yeah, what is your like take on it now? You know, with how this I think it's I think I mean some of it's obviously demand uh, outs outstripping uh, supply, but others are more manufactured, I feel everyone's trying to copy the next guy. Like I think Nautilus, I mean, the, the, the Partics and the APs, the world have sort of proven, I mean, it started Richard Mille as well, right? I mean, these three brands kind of like showed like the FOMO effect uh, and how to, to get it done perfectly. And uh, the rest of them have followed suit, like the Richemont uh, brands have all started trying to do the same thing. Um, unfortunately, with the macroeconomic situation, it kind of didn't really allow them to really full execute the strategy. But, you know, you see in the prices suddenly like sharply dropped and, and you know, people are starting, I mean, I've heard from people starting to refuse pieces or decline pieces. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, for me, I feel like it's, it's kind of the, the time of reckoning for a lot of these brands uh, where, you know, they start to do this kind of high-handed behavior. Um, and it's whether it's it's the brands I love or the brands that I'm kind of like indifferent to, it's really the you're gonna see maybe in the next twelve months whether whether they're gonna call you up again suddenly out of the blue and say, hey, Mr. Customer, I know we kind of like left you in the cold, but uh, and they may not say that, but so oh, by the way, we got a piece, you know, it's available. Sometimes if they call you up a little bit earlier than you expect, it kind of you got to think, is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know because. Obviously, someone declined that piece mm. or didn't decline the bundle or declined something, mm. and then you got lucky. Um, but you think about, like, do I want to pick it up uh, or not, right? 
uh, obviously for most of us, like if you, you're okay, you don't overextend yourself, you, you, you're collecting within your means, then do it, right? Go ahead. But some of these people, like I know people who like buy three at the same watch. That's just crazy. Like, I mean, that's thinking that you could keep going up. Um, and then now we've seen with, 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 you know, crypto crashing and everyone kind of like overextending, those guys who overextended themselves, they're kind of hurting, having to liquidate their pieces. So, but I mean, it's obviously got to have a ripple effect to, to other collectors because I think it, it worked in a good time and kind of like a fair weather period um, where, yeah, we can keep holding on to all the pieces that we've been allocated. But now that I see my portfolio kind of halving, it's going to play in their minds. And I, I mean, probably you guys will know better. Uh, you know, you have rich friends or you have rich um, collector friends. Rich people, they, they know, uh, and they're probably a lot more ruthless about it like for them it's all about the value of their portfolio anyway so like it's not not nothing emotional about it like yeah i get a piece it's a profile builder and i get the end game piece so i can flex and then now everything's sort of halved and even the end game pieces are no longer at premium mm -hmm. psychologically that's gonna gotta hit me hard right like i've lost a lot of paper value on my portfolio that's gonna that's gonna definitely play on their minds Right. Um, to say, oh yeah, they're rich anyway, they don't need to sell anything. Mm -hmm. I, I I still argue that they'll be thinking, maybe I should jump ship, maybe I should, you know, let go of my pieces, you know, before everybody else. I'm just trying to I'm obviously speculating here, but I think that's human psychology. If you think about stocks and everything, it's the same thing. What's the difference? Um I after moving to Hong Kong in 2018. I realized that I would say the majority of people collecting watches here, they really do see it as an investment. Everything comes from the direction of will this go up? But I'm still trying to figure this out in Singapore. Do you think people mainly collect because they enjoy it? Or do you think it's for investment? I think it's it's not a simple question like, is it an investment or not, right? I mean, it's money. It's an exorbitant amount of money, right? And different people have different financial uh, situations. And it's really a kind of like a percentage of what they're willing to expose themselves to. Mm -hmm. I think if if you are willing to say, okay, in your mind, I'm willing to lose this 100 grand worth of watches. Like if it goes to like $10,000 value, I don't care. I'm not selling it. But if you're in, you're putting like a million dollars of watches, like half a million dollars into watches, mm -hmm. you obviously want to know that it's a safe investment. Especially like for me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a father. You know, I've got kids, I've got things I need to, to take care of. If tomorrow I need to let it go for whatever reason, yeah. I need to know that, you know, I'm at least going to get back what I put in, right? At the very least. Yeah. But uh, if you suddenly get it halved, then you're like, mm, it's kind of not very responsible as, a, as, as an adult, right? I mean, you're not just throwing money into the wind. So I would say that it's definitely for me, or at least for, for people I know, um, they love watches. We love watches. We, go, we buy watches because we... We identify with what they're trying to do with the brand, with you know the complications, with you know the the level of horology. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, you know it's like how much you love the piece you want to buy. Like, is it worth the amount that I'm willing to pay? Like, do I love it that much? Mm -hmm. You know, if you price it too ridiculously, you go like, mm, do I love it that much? I'm willing to spend above and beyond what the next alternative is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, if it's yes, then great, good for you. But if it's not, then you just wait, right, for it to come down. So it's it's really, um, I would say, 
most people would have pieces that they're willing to, to spend on uh, and, and tell themselves like, even if it tanks, I don't care, right? But then the other pieces would be like, I bought this, I know it's a really hot model and as long as I, I don't lose, I, as long as I, if I need to sell it, um, <clears throat> I, I, I get back the majority of my money, uh, like 90% of it, uh, then I'm fine, right? So that's kind of, for me, I feel um, the kind of, the, the, the juxtaposition of it, you know, like the kind of half and half uh, between uh, investment and passion. Uh, of course, I could agree with you that people who you meet on, you know, in work and go like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, how much are they now, you know, like, that Rolex or that AP or that Patek. And they're only caring about, the first question is, how much is it now, right? Which tells you all you need to know about whether they collect those or not, um, whether they really like watches or not, right? Not like, oh, oh, is that the new movement? Is that, you know, the new the new reference? Like if they ask these kind of questions and you know they really like watches rather than how much are they trading for right now? Is it still like double, triple? Then you kind of get a, a peek into the psychology like, these guys are just trying to put their money on something yeah. and you know, the stock sucks. So they're going to go with watches. Yeah. That's like the second question in, in Hong Kong. Like it's always related to money. Mm. Like it's not actually about taste, but I'd agree with yeah. Hong Kong on that. I would say in China for the, for the really wealthy, I would say um, it's not that they're letting go of pieces, um, you know, cause these people aren't really good at well, the idea of letting go of pieces has never really crossed their mind, but it means I would say their purchasing um, speed is somewhat reduced. You know, they're mm. like, uh, yeah, maybe I don't need this because mm-hmm. I've got, you know, I don't need to buy as much, mm-hmm. right? right? They're more selective over what right. they buy, um, but they're not necessarily letting go. They don't really need the money. Like they don't need to let it go, right? Um, they don't want to get ripped off. And sure. yeah, to some extent they do think about the money, but I, in a lot of cases, right? I don't think a lot of people those kind of people let go of the pieces anyway it's just when they purchase it they need that reassurance yeah. that yeah yeah I, I think sorry no, no, I, no, I think no, the on. yeah I think I think it's like the people you're talking about obviously the probably the the higher end of the yeah. you know the the pyramid uh, of, of, of collectors um I, I I always like to say like I think the mid level to you know the, the mass might obviously they're, they're obviously more more conscious of this right most of them want to flex the most of them want to have some you know chinese you're going to for for a din i mean a lunch or dinner or whatever meet up with relatives they want to they want to flex their pieces out there they meet them once a year whatever um and and that's kind of a cyclical kind of thing like i was talking to a great dealer the other day at far east and he was like saying well, it usually kind of picks up around end of the year where people you know, want to buy something for chinese new year want to you know, meet their relatives and then after that they'll probably let it go and then that's where it will come down so it's it's very cyclical um and it's it's there like some people just like i'm just gonna put this money in there so when i when i meet people i haven't met for a year you know i've got something to show mm-hmm. um and it, it's sad i mean I'm not say sad but it's, it's kind of it's cultural a little bit you know like we always it's all about face with with us uh, uh chinese or asians um, we want to show that we're, you know, we don't want people to go, well, you know, are you okay? <laughs> you don't want that kind of question where you're like, I mean, like kind of pity on you. Uh, yeah. You, you want people, oh yeah, this guy's doing well. Good for him. You know, that kind of thing. And then you walk away. Especially around Chinese New Year. You know what I mean? Everybody's yeah. doing well yeah. in Chinese New Year. Like everyone. For sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It just doesn't reflect in the numbers in the economy though. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, what are the pieces that 
you know i love and it's no secret of my love for it, is the double balance you know which yeah. um you know you had or you have um yeah. Yeah. like when did you get that like and how did you get it because you know a lot of people they have myths on on like how long they waited for you know you actually own a one how lot what was the process like for you because you're not one of those people that bought endless ap's yeah as far as i yeah. can see maybe you're going to tell yeah. me different no no i mean uh, for me i always be keeping it real um i i got it uh, from from japan from the ginza boutique um and it's it's back then bear in mind this was probably i started buying pieces from ginza probably in the 2016-17 period i used to travel for business over there so i started buying some pieces over there and it kind of was interesting because i think with ap it's always very much dependent on the essay or the, the person you're talking to whether they try and suss you out and see are you like just going there just to pick up pieces so you can sell them or whatever uh and i i remember having a conversation with the boutique manager and we're chatting for three hours because i have my own brand as you know and and i i was i brought over a bunch of old pieces that i i used to collect like at a, at a young truly at a perpetual calendar titanium uh offshore and i brought it over and i was like we're chatting and talking about the pieces and and, and I brought my own brand as well. And they, they kind of knew the passion was was real. Uh, so I think they kind of gave me a lot more face, if you will, um, uh, more than I probably warranted if it, it was another person. Um, and, you know, kind of like the relationship started and, you know, bought a bunch of pieces. And I think the, the double balance was kind of like after five, four, four, four years of buying from them, uh, you know, every once in a while. Um, but I think it's really with AP, it's not hard and fast. A lot of people like to message me, oh, you know, you got the double balance. Uh, tell me how to get it. You know, how, how, how many pieces you have to buy. And uh, us as men, we're kind of like always very logical. It's like one plus one equals two. Like we kind of understand that it's like someone else could be like, you could buy 10 pieces and never get it or, or 20 pieces or some other people, like, you know, it, it's, it's really, there's no, there's no like, logical progression it's just i guess they they decided in you know like give me this piece and, and i was like kind of um lucky i, I just can tell them like i really can't tell you how to replicate this like it's it's just uh it just happened right so um like for me uh i was telling them okay you know i i wanted this piece like let me know if, when if and when um it becomes available then covid happened i remember putting my interest down, I think it was 2018, 19. Uh, and I waited until about 2020. Uh, so two years later, I guess. So not that fast as well. Um, and uh, it kind of happened out of the blue. I remember I was kind of losing hope. Uh, I, I dropped an email to the, the boutique manager and I fell asleep, woke up the next morning and the guy was like, uh, good news, like I have one left, uh, but you, you can't pick it up. I mean, you, you can't get the, the tax and you have to pick it up from Japan, which was impossible in COVID. I couldn't even leave Singapore and there was no entry into Japan. So I just told him, don't worry, let me figure that part out. Uh, I'll pay you the money first and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask a friend. So I had to read this amazing friend of mine who's, I've, I've never met him in my life like face-to-face, -face, like we're Facebook friends. Whoa. Um, yeah, so he's, yeah, 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 yeah. So so it's, it's funny, like um, I just had a good feeling about him because 
like he he supported my brand. Uh, it was just really nice guys, Singaporean guy, but he's basically he married a, a Japanese woman. There's a business there, and he was like, you know, I just really want to help you get this watch in your hands. And I remember he was coming into he lives in Nagoya, he moves over to he came into to to Tokyo for business. And I told him, bro, like, could you do me a favor? I mean, it's a big favor, obviously. Uh, I kind of, I got allocated this piece. Could you help me pick it up? I'll, I'll give you like sort of power attorney to pick up the, the watch and proxy. So he he picked it up. He was really nice about it. Um, I like to ask him, like, what, do you want anything? I like, really want to give you something. He was like, no, dude, dude like really just don't, don't worry. I'll, I'll get you this watch. Like I'll help you um, send it back. And I remember his wife was like gift wrapping it for me. Like in the Japanese way, with like a white tracing paper to like really wrap it out nice and nice and cool. Uh, and then he was like uh, video recording it for insurance purposes. Uh, and yeah, so I got the watch. Uh, it's safe and sound. Uh, I mean, there's some people that you know you don't need to meet them, but you just they're just good people. That's what I really love about the community. Like watch people, there are really good people out there. And then there's some really dodgy people, but I mean generally, I like to think that there are more good people out there than. Yeah. Than dodgy people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, since you say that, right? I think that's almost what I'm gonna say. But we had a friend. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have a friend, a mutual friend. But it's one of okay. those friends that you put in inverted commas. But one mm-hmm. of those people. And right. he needed an RM picking up. So, okay. So he actually met this guy, you know, I don't know how many times he met him, but he met this guy and he kind of thought that he had a good read on him. And I guess you know where this is going, right? The guy picked up the mm-hmm. RM and didn't give it to him. He Shit. said, I'll give it to you for sure, but uh, we didn't agree on the price. And my hand's like, what price? You know, like, I told you to pick the watch up. He goes, well, market price. Yeah, so obviously my friend wasn't going to pay market price for it, yeah? So, because it's like, I don't know, three times or something. Yeah. And uh yeah. He didn't get the watch. He lost his allocation for that watch. Wow. That's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. That's but yeah. I mean money corrupts people anyway, right? I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Like this is someone you crazy. meet and someone it'd be like I mean, I'm sure it wasn't as close as Longland, but I'd, but you, you already know if someone's gonna pick up a piece for you, trust is a big issue, right? So yeah. you're like <laughs> looking at this dude and thinking, Yeah, I trust him. So I mean, when you see it at a third party, you think Ah, uh, how could you be such a fool? But the thing is, yeah. he trusted him. Yeah, it's just yeah. like I trust Long Long, you know. And yeah, then if Long Long did that to me, I'd be like, "Scheme anything here?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I haven't asked Long Long to do it, just in case it happens. Yeah. Okay, but <laughs> I don't want to lose the friendship. I don't care about the watch. I don't want the. I don't want to... Can I say something? I because this is obviously very naive for me to say, but I've also had experiences like Nop, where you have never met the person, and either I do something for them or they do something for me, right? Or they send something through my office and I just resend it. And I'm not even mm. familiar with how this implicates me tax-wise and whatever, right? But I can say surely that when it comes to watch people, there's this unspoken thing where you just want the other watch person to get the watch that you become part yeah. of the journey. So you want to help them. Yeah. Get it. And I don't exactly think it's the same as just saying, I trust you. It's like a watch person kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I totally agree with, uh, yeah. with Lung's, um, you know, uh, story and and, uh, and and how she feels about it. Like for me, I think, if, you know, a guy who's just a watch person. It's not about money. It's really. I mean, you don't want to make it sound so so like uh, 
easy and like oh, it's five dollars like yeah we're talking about like six figures um and, like, some people's yearly pays and whatever right but mm-hmm. the point is like ultimately it's like we say it's an emotional journey it's it's part of your journey it's part of your your journey as a watch person like for me i've been collecting like 12 13 years that's you know a, a, a good part of my life um and my wife knows that as well so like to have that become sort of etched into your journey it's important right like i mean and it just shows proof to people like you know you got class you know you got some dignity you got some you know um you're you're, you're a proper person rather than oh money can corrupt you like you know um which is which is disappointing to see some people this and uh, the, some people are seemingly like you think that they're totally like financially uh you know comfortable but then the moment you wave like an arm in front of them suddenly they're like you know they're suddenly batshit crazy and then you know they, they want to make a quick buck then that's disappointing because like there are no some people who have no money and, and they're like I'll, I'll help you don't worry man like anything just tell me you know so yeah. some, 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 it just proves like his name Potanio <laughs> no, um it's so yeah, funny sounds uh, like me <laughs> pouring their money and just keeps helping people (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry i cut you off but um you know we're talking about these uh basically human experiences right Mm -hmm. i'll tell you a story actually just happened yesterday so um like a colleague was looking for uh, a watch it's actually the rolex oyster perpetual in turquoise blue 41 (laughs) millimeter and it was for a VIP client and it was obviously urgent because the colleague had emailed like twice, mm. right? Like looking for it. Um, and so I, I spoke to my friend and I said, I knew he had one. I knew he's been collecting these oyster things like, like Pokemon. And uh, I told him and I said, he said, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. I've got two of them. I'll, you know, I'll let, I'll let one go. Uh, whichever one you want um and I said okay great like what do you want for it and he goes okay what's the market price for it so we just like had an auction so other people look at that as market price I gave him the thing and he goes yeah okay um I know that's the price Daniel but actually you know I want you to get this deal because I want you to look good in the company because the colleague that was asking was high management right and he said like um I don't really care about the money but I care about supporting my friend, you know, when you're starting out. Um, so I would say the price is like negotiable. Like you can start off at this price, but Daniel, as long as you get the deal, I just want them to know that you can get good watches, like for really good prices. I want you to you know, start off well. Honestly, right. I read that message like three times, you know, I was so <laughs> taken back. And I, I say this message as like, I mean, I would expect Long to do that. No, I'm joking. Yeah, but it was actually me, though. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you remember, yeah you see that on Instagram, dot right. But this guy I had met at the first Shanghai Watch Festival back in 2018. At the time, he's a big Patek collector. He was wearing a 5370, mm. right? The black dial. It was only the black dial back then. And I met him. We messaged to and fro a few times, literally. And then COVID hit and he was coming back to China with his family. And he was asking me stuff about 
the procedures and the protocols and you know what he has to go through and so basically i actually got a friend to call up like shanghai because he wanted to come to shanghai like what are the the relevant department and ask him like what he actually needed to know right so my friend did that i then just relayed the information over did it in just a nice way just helped him out a little bit and basically he now has like returned back to china to kind of take over his father's business but as soon as he came back he made it his first thing to to meet me right in his first week and every time now he's not from shanghai but every time he comes to shanghai he makes it his priority to make time for me and i was just like wow you know like i thought yeah. I, I would say i'm a pretty nice guy but like <laughs> that is like so i was just very very touched you know so touched to the point where i'm thinking i'm trying to gauge the guy like thinking is there something in this like <laughs> they're having doubts I think, yeah it's funny because i mean some people you don't need to meet uh, or you don't need to know for a long time and, yeah. and and they're just people who are just generally really good and um they just build different um but you know some people who you know for 20 30 years and you're always in the back of your mind thinking you know you don't want to test the, the friendship <laughs> Do you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like it's it's funny like i totally agree like the guy who helped me out with, with my double balance right i mean We've never met. Like I, I, I was telling some somebody in my like my brother in law, and 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 I was telling, oh, I, I, this guy's gonna help me. Like he was asking, how are you gonna bring it back to Singapore? Like uh, this guy's gonna help me. He's like, have you met him before? I said, no. Like are you crazy? And and I was like, no. I just have a good feeling. I just I don't know. I just I just feel like I can trust him. You know, because he's he didn't have to help me all these other times. Um, with my with my own brand. Uh, you know, he he offered to do a, a like a editorial, like a like a like a feature on his uh, on his website, uh, on his um, you know, it's his online uh, uh, publication um, for free. Didn't ask for anything, and it's just just people you know who just want to help people out, and I and that kind of made me feel like this guy. Obviously, it's not about the money to him. It's really just like to be a good person. So. Um, I, I, I've met people like that who you just meet and you know they're good um, and you don't really like they're not, they don't meet up with them to have coffee every every so often mm -hmm. but you know they're just whenever you're around them they're, they're willing to help like mm -hmm. like people who've helped with my brand people who've helped with just just my my life and, and, and my professional career whatever like this but you don't really hang out with them right <clears throat> like you're, you're not like buddies with them but drinking buddies with them uh, or known them since school, but they're like kind of like helping you every every ever so often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm actually pretty overwhelmed by the support I'm getting from like watch people because they now officially know I'm at Phillips, and yeah, it, it's really really touching actually. Like the stuff they do, you know, with no kind of yeah incentive for them uh, personally though i have to say just referring back to me and long i knew this friendship was cemented when i took the last piece of her cinnabon and i when i say the last piece it wasn't any piece it was the centerpiece so if you know cinnabon really? you know what i'm talking about right and i took it yeah and i i was still standing yeah so the fact that i was still standing i knew that this friendship was significantly more oh, than really? a centerpiece in a Cinnabon original flavor by the way <laughs> not the chocolate one and oh, wow uh, yeah exactly you know that's when you, you really know you've made it with <laughs> yeah 
like we're only missing the violin music like this that that was uh, wow yeah. it was a moment i remember because it was like one of those like do you want the piece but it wasn't actually like asking do you want the piece it was like don't take a piece yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she's still she's still smarting over there yeah she's still kind of like i'm gonna get back at you exactly there'll be more cinnabons <laughs> zane over yet oh yeah she's never forgiven me for it don't get me wrong you know like when she's in quarantine i think i bought about six of them yeah. for it yeah like you know never forgive it um, six premium man yeah. yeah let's uh move on though to yeah. you know you, one of the things you mentioned is you don't really like to kind uh, of go with the hype um you like to explore you know and when you look at your instagram page it's actually full of um well then like it's not like independence but i mean you've got showpart there you've got bulgari there you've got like iwc there it's so kind of like expansive and ranged which mm. is actually really refreshing you know because you do have like the odd ap there as well you got girard perigo there you know a brand that people just like avoid like the virus um yep. you know like is that what what made you go into that direction like why is that your collecting journey do you think and where, yeah, where do you I mean, see that progressing i mean <clears throat> i think it was also kind of like with the probably with the uh the, the state of the market and also with the state of um uh, how things are going with with brands and you know, the, the strategies that they've got so it kind of made me kind of realize that you need to just try to find value try to find good value good uh innovation uh something kind of unproven um and uh of course something that sort of speaks to you when you look at it for me I'm, it's very obviously very visual um uh something to, you like uh subconsciously or just after a while you start to see the patterns like for me, like I mentioned, uh, I am not really a dress sport person. I mean, I've tried, I've got some pieces with, with leather straps and whatnot. Um, but just generally, I like bracelets. I like um, rubber straps at least um, because of the weather here. You know, if I was living somewhere else, it would be a different thing. But being in Singapore, it's really very much uh, comfort and, um, and versatility. Uh, I also don't, I mean, COVID was kind of like, I was t-shirt and shorts like for two years. Um, so that kind of made, made the choice very clear for me. So, I mean, that was kind of the reasons why I moved into certain brands. I, for me, I, I've, I've, uh, discovered, Octo, uh, you know, like the Bulgari, um, kind of Octo Finissimo kind of range back in 2017. Um, and, and initially I was like, you know, what's this, you know? Uh, and then when I sort of delved deeper and I realized it's, it's really quite amazing, like, you know, micro-rotors, in-house movements, ultra thin um like i was making a joke with someone like their chronograph is you know 6.9 millimeters thick and that's like smaller than most time onlys and that's a chronograph so it kind of just for me i feel it's it's amazing kind of uh feat and they do this every year so it's almost like you expect them to to come out with a new record next year um and then for me i, I like it because it's also kind of like a second skin uh it's very functional it's very wearable like my wrist is in, isn't big. It's a very typical Asian wrist. Maybe it's slightly flat, um, so it wears well on like a squarish watch. But I know for a fact, generally the market people don't really like square watches. They kind of prefer round case. Um, but for me, I always like to be a little bit 
a little bit off uh off center. Uh, I kind of like something a little bit different, and I think it speaks to you know watch collectors. They want something a little bit quirky, a little bit different, because they don't want to be too common or too mainstream. Um, and for me, I've never really liked to follow for the sake of following. Like if it's nice, great, but if it's if it's cool and different, I, I want to you know try it out and just experiment with it. Um, and it's priced well, so like even if you get bored or you realize maybe it's not for you. Which, which has happened with some of the pieces that I bought, um, you can always sell it off uh, and there's no judgment, there's no bullshit and there's, you know, your downside is pretty limited. So that's kind of like my thought process with it. I was going to ask, like, you've had a lot of experience with sports, integrated bracelet sport watches, right? I think you've yeah. got a show, a show part uh, Alpine Eagle there as well. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is actually a great watch, right? I, I think it looks great. You know, Amazing, great, yeah. identity has a lot of presence. You know, uh, well finished. All the bracelets really well finished. Um, which is the most comfortable? You know, Nautilus Royal Oak, Bulgari, Octo Finissimo, Chopard, uh, Alpine Eagle. Which ones do you like? Go to. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I probably would. Um, I probably uh, look at it in two ways. One is. Com- uh, comfort is, I guess, subjective. Depends on how you like to wear your bracelets. Like, if you're the kind that likes to wear it loose, then kind of doesn't really matter. But for me, I like, I don't know if you notice, but I like to wear them fairly tight, fairly snug. So it really sort of... I wouldn't know that like... about you. If I did, i worry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, the I just generally like uh, it tailored, like a tailored fit. So... If it's uh, kind of snug, um, fairly fairly snug, you kind of really discover how wearable, how balanced the watch is. Like if it's too top heavy, it's gonna move or it's gonna feel weird. Um, so between the the different bracelet models that are there, I think it's really between. I think wearability wise, it's really between the the Octo Finissimo and the Chopard. Uh, if you talk mm-hmm. about. Um, because the the Octofinissimo has got very small links, so yeah, it exactly. really yeah. So it's it's probably more adjustable. Um, and it fits a little better, especially the forty mm. Um, for my wrist at least, I know some people like they say, "I wish it was thirty eight. I wish it was a little bit smaller." But I guess that's kind of like you can't make everyone happy. Um, the show part, thankfully, it's there's a thirty six available. So for smaller wrist, I know some people bought thirty six. And I think it's just a really well-made watch. The bracelet's really good. Um, like the way they do it, it's not like the mm-hmm. side um, um, rods, uh, you know, the screw, or, screw, screw rods or whatever it is, the links, um, the pins, uh, but it's more like a, a flat screw, a screw head at the back of the, the, brace, the bracelet. And it's like a, like a jigsaw puzzle. Like they, they slot in the, the links into like a female and male kind of, you know, jigsaw. So um, it, it makes it a lot more, solid i would say there's less yeah movement it's not slinky it's not like yeah. kind of like a um, it doesn't move around. yeah it's not that loose yeah. which can look a little bit odd um so yeah i think between the two i think uh, the the two that I, I would say above uh, the oak um because i think the oak depending on which model you bought um if you, you bought 153 or jumbo the flare is ridiculous for asian wrist i mean maybe not for for a Caucasian, uh, but for Asians, like if you 
you wear 
like the different supplier or something like I don't know. It just looks like two different watches, which is strange to me. Um, whereas with the AP, like the bracelet looks like it's really been done by the same person almost. Um, yeah, so it's it's as a different grade. So that's the only gripe I would say. So if you had to choose, of course, the double balance still wins. But I mean, that's not a that's that's not a surprise. Yeah. I would expect AP to to be winning. Um, but then it's just really down to uh, the value of it versus the GP. I mean, if people, you know, if you want to get a beautiful skeleton watch, I think the GP is is fantastic for what you're getting at fifty thousand. I think fifty thousand Singapore dollar. Uh, there thereabouts. Mm. I wore that double balance the other day. Posted it on Instagram. I saw I that. A ton of ton of messages saying, "Oh, you finally Congrats. got it." I only need to <laughs> tell them. Tell them no. I'm still, I haven't got it. Like, <laughs> you know, it's sucked. Thanks for highlighting it to me that I haven't got it. But I, it's been a while since I, you know, worn it. Probably about a couple of years, like a year and a half. And yeah, like I'm quite happy that I still like it because it just shows that I, it was you know timeless for me, and I really really like it. But yeah, anybody that's in any position of power, just remember, I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> Um, but now going on to, uh, the last question, which is, um, kind of going to two in one, anything on the horizon that you're waiting for and you're really looking forward to, and is there anything such as a Holy grail for you? I think for me right now, I mean, um, with, you know, obviously I'm an AP fan. I've been AP fan for since before it was hyped up, um, and like for me, I apart from how the, the brand is um, uh, being run and the practices that they're doing, I think the watches themselves are have always been my favorites. Um, design wise, what they do, and it's really kind of aligned with my lifestyle and the way the way I like to wear my watches. Um, it kind of really sings in very well with with <clears throat> my day to day. Um, obviously, I think if if I had a choice, I you know, it was was fortunate uh, for me um i'd obviously want something uh maybe the, the skeleton uh, in ceramic or the the ceramic uh qp uh skeleton obviously i think these are the two i guess i don't know how i feel if you suddenly get it already like the part of you kind of doesn't want it yet because <laughs> like then what 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 next right like kind of after that it's it's kind of like you've got to start collecting something else already so i think that's really at the end of the tunnel um at the end of the rainbow um but yeah i mean i think if I, if if it's ever possible if, if fate ha has it um these are the i guess the two probably i'll consider um i like i i think you know i i recently sold my my steel perpetual which i got in the secondary market um, I, I posted on stories. I managed to start it off, thankfully, um, just before the recent Philips results where the QPs all took a big hit. Um, so for me, I think it's kind of a wait and see kind of situation right now because I think if we wait a while, maybe there could be a good piece up for sale that, that's you know not too crazy. Um, obviously still premium, but if, if possible and the money makes sense, the finances make sense, maybe one of these two. Yeah, sorry. I was just thinking about the whole double balance, like while you were giving your answer. 
<laughs> yeah, I just love it. Like, I uh, just love it. <laughs> but, but I did hear parts of your answer. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I distracted you. But I'll hear it back on the second time round. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, right. That finishes the uh, main interview uh, with Nop. Um, and I've, now I've, I know I've caught you cold. Do you have any questions for us in the reverso round? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very uh, natural, probably since we ended off with that question. My my question would be a reversal of that question to you guys. Like, you know, I guess what's next? What would you uh, want to get next? Like, Lulu and, uh, and Daniel, like, what's... If you had a magic one, what would you go for next? What would okay. be your... Yeah. I would take any one of these three pieces. I would take the double balance. I would take the Roger Smith. Right, and I would take a uh, Retchup. Right. Oh, wow. Any wow. of those three. Retchup. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good. Yeah. Good answer. So, if I, so two ones, so two answers. The unrealistic one, like you said, um, which is it doesn't actually match my lifestyle. Obviously, my list of like paddocks will go on and on. Like, Correct. I want yeah. a Salmon Dell thirty nine forty. A lot of dress watches actually um but realistically and i've been quite vocal about this on the podcast like because i skipped the whole experience of like going to the ad and then like begging and then waiting and all this and i've kind of lost a lot of interest in terms of like just i don't know like you know exactly like what you said like 2010 to 2013 you could still feel that rush like people bought watches you could walk in and buy one and then you discuss it with your friends like i've lost all that feeling because it's just become a culture where it's like impossible to get one you hear all these terrible stories of like people who are young and starting the hobby and can't even get one and you just think to yourself what has become of this hobby so I'm now trying to just get a Wimbledon from Rolex and I'm now doing those things that everyone has always been talking about, which is going to the AD, getting laughed at, like being ignored. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still at that um, stage and I just came back from Japan and Japan has this mall, which is like Far East. It's just filled with watches. And everyone's yeah. like, no, Nakano, right? Yeah, yeah, Nakano. It's called Nakano. Yeah, Nakano. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I'm like super pumped to like, um, blocked out how many hours to go there, comb through the shops. And I left going, you know what? Why don't I just buy that Wimbledon? Because it was there. And to be honest, the markup wasn't even that high. And I was like, just yeah. get it. Like, just get it over and yeah. done with. And I was like, no, totally don't agree. do it. Yeah, don't do really? it. You have to torture yourself yeah. and go through that. <laughs> I mean, just to add to what you yeah. said, right? Like, I mean, I think it's that's the thing, right? You, you psychologically traumatize yourself. Uh, and condition yourself like to suffer for years on end until you realize you know what fuck that shit i'm just gonna go buy the watch yeah. i want because i want it right now yeah you know what i mean like that, that's kind of i've come to that realization I, i've kind of lost hope on double balance like i have to be honest i'm kind of lost hope yeah. like but i also think oh it would be so much good it'd be so much better to get it when you've lost hope <laughs> then, then when you actually like, <laughs> right? Dude. Yeah, I'm still convincing myself. I okay, got a chance. Like, if I, if it comes through, I'll feel better. It, it should have been like this. But you know, it should have been like this. Premium doesn't make sense, in my opinion. If you're just talking yeah. about this is a steel watch, yeah. the premium you're paying does not make sense. But yeah. let's yeah, say the, the premium isn't that high. Nobody wants it. What, what is the premium? 
the it's uh, about it? twelve thousand USD with box and papers. It's just a standard. And what's the uh, what's the retail? The retail's like just under ten. So that's long. Come I, on, I, you got to pull the trigger. You should have just bought it, man. Bang bang. Thing. It's if you ask me now, obviously I can just buy it on the spot, but True. it's like, True. what's the point? That's just going around buying anything you can afford. But I want that feeling of like, okay, I made it. I right. convinced the AD. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> How is that going though? How is that going? Um, convincing it's the okay, AD? But okay. So he, so obviously after visiting the mall, I messaged the AD in Hong Kong and I was like, look, I just found one <laughs> just to put pressure on him. And he's like, okay, when are you back? Um, This one's here. But I zoomed in on the picture and it says 41 mm. And I'm just like, God. So I pretend I didn't see that it was 41 mm. And I'll be like, okay, I'll see you soon this week. <laughs> What's wow. the point? So he's, what are you going to do? If he says, I've got it for you. No, because I'm going to say, I know if you have a 41, obviously you have a 36 in there, right? There should be more 36 uh, mm pieces that nobody like the, the theme so-called female pieces right okay well i mean going this week best of luck thanks i'll let you know <laughs> let us know let us know how yeah. it goes man yeah I but will. yeah i mean i think that's the other piece i wanted to say as well like i think a lot of brands don't quite want to accept that for us for us uh, watch people were addicted to the hunt yeah but kind of like that's part of the the thrill like what you said yeah. the, the adrenaline rush of getting picked uh getting a getting picked and getting a piece yeah. um so like they just in their minds they're looking from their perspective like we allocate you a piece you know it's with you forever yeah. um they don't really think about like if i get stuck with all these pieces how can i buy more pieces because i'm actually addicted to the thrill of buying more pieces you know what i mean that's that's the thing you know i mean you, you said it yourself you're like yeah. i want to get the piece yeah. you know, acquire it it's like my sad existence is only like i need the 80 to no judgment my existence <laughs> like, yeah, no the, judgment. Only, the only time i'll give up kind of thing or when my hope will be completely diminished is when they stop manufacturing it and it's like you know discontinued then i know it's game over right and then i just know that okay i'll just have to work hard and get it on the on the secondary exactly. you know and just that's yeah. it but until I that would, day yeah yeah i would i've never would been just... in a rush to own them as well by the way like i've never been i have to own you you know like mm. yeah you want to have like, a you want to have a, a grill target right so it's like once you get the grill yeah. then you're like shit what what else am i gonna get yeah it's true it's true i mean lung's right though there's a bunch of pateks i could easily add onto the list mm -hmm. yeah of i'll take it i'll take it i'll take it mm. but again is maybe maybe the fact it's too easy you know maybe right. i want to wait a while and make it before my mind becomes a bit more discerning yeah right right we I go on to the uh oh go on yeah no i i think i think you touched on a point like it's the fact that it's too easy or it's there's no struggle that you're kind of not attracted to get it yeah. um yeah. maybe it speaks to us like we wa we want the thrill of the hunt we just basically yeah. want to have to jump through hoops and have that yeah. kind of like serendipitous moment where everything's all just aligned and then you get the what you want yeah yeah but there's also because the three pieces i mentioned they're actually financially viable for me mm -hmm. right <laughs> like a lot of the tactics i like they're not <laughs> right <laughs> they are not possible so i didn't put them on the list you know like 200 yeah. 300k us i mean yeah forget it <laughs> yeah i can't do it right now
I just put it yeah, in yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, we're going to move on to the last round, which is yeah. the pump pusher round. Okay. Oh, so, okay. right, just a couple of random questions. What was your last memorable meal? My last memorable meal. Oh, wow. Um, I'm a really cheap eater, just FYI. Uh, so next time you're in Singapore, let me know if you ever decide to finally come over um, chicken rice. Uh, I, I love my chicken rice. So that's kind of like my last memorable meal. That's a nice place in Far East Plaza yeah. uh, called Hainanese Delicacy. Yeah. You know which one? The one on yeah. the fifth floor. Yeah, that, that's kind of my current favorite. I used to be another one in Katong, um, but... Uh, your taste buds kind of changed when you get a bit older, kind of wants to be a bit healthier. Yeah. yeah. But chicken rice. Okay. Um, one thing off your bucket list. One thing off, meaning... Um, well, like one thing one, that you'd one, like to do in your bucket list. Yeah, one thing on your bucket list, I should say. Bucket list, wow. In the context of watches or... Just no, random? no, just, just random, yeah, just in life. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. The, um, not have to work for money. <laughs> Just uh, buy watches every day. That's probably, I guess, the unattainable. Yeah. Okay. Um, another passion of yours that isn't watches. Oh. Um, well, it's going to get kind of deep. But uh, no, it's it's kind of getting very boring and mushy. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously really... Uh, uh, hands-on dad uh, so just spending time with my kids and just really okay. trying to help them uh, grow up the right way because I think my generation my, my parents are kind of workaholics so you didn't really get to see them very much um, growing up so I kind of made it a, a point that when I have my own kids I'll be around to you know sort of be part of their lives kind of really understand them better um, so that's kind of Outside watches, that's really where my 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 focus is, my priorities are. Okay. Still on the topic of your kids then. I've just added yeah. this one in. What's the one one most important trait that you want your kids to grow up with? That you want to instill in them? So this kind of sort of blends in with the why I started my brand as well. I think it's having passion and uh, believing um, believing in yourself in a way, uh, uh, proving people wrong. I think when I was always scared of taking the the leap to start my own brand, um, like seven eight years ago. Uh, but when I had my first child, my my son, uh, kind of like had an epiphany kind of moment where I wanted to sort of set the right example. You know, being become a new father, you kind of like want to lead your life in a different way be better be kind of more present and leave good life examples for them so when i set up my, I set up my brand i i kind of like wanted it to be more as a, a life lesson for my my son to follow his dreams to sort of be be fearless in, in that sense and even though most people especially in asian culture be like can you make money can you do well you know is it smart you know are you, are you taking that risk um, that kind of thing. Um, there's always a lot of doubt. There's a lot of naysayers out there. Um, but I think I've proven so far that, that it's, it's going all right. It's not about the money. It's really about the passion. For me, I started it up really very much to show that, you know, um, stay true to who you are, stay, stay true to what you wanted the brand to be about, which is very much about 
your love for watches and what inspires you. And um, if you can get the right customers, the right supporters, people who just really understand why you created the watches, uh, why you created the designs you created, um, then that's really kind of like the, the vindication that's there. So for me, I think um, I, I've, I think I've followed through with, with what I, I wanted to achieve. Um, and hopefully my son, but thankfully, I think my, my son sees it as well. The other day we had a conversation and he was like, I really love your designs, dad. Um, uh, is this like inspired by me? And I, I told him, you know, the story and he was like taken aback a little bit. And he, like, he finally got it, which was like a million dollar, like a billion dollar moment for me. Um, really kind of a sweet moment that we had. Um, and, and I think it makes it all worth it. Like beyond the money, beyond the, 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 the sweat and the, the, lock, the lack of sleep over the last six or seven years doing this, um, that moment kind of encapsulated everything, made it all worth it. Right, right. How do I even, like, continue after that, man? Jeez. <laughs> like, <laughs> melted there. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a few more then. Right. Because, yeah, just a few more. Um, Let me see. Oh, yeah, something that you loved uh as a child but don't necessarily love now that you're really into hmm. oh i can't really think I, I'm, I'm pretty consistent <laughs> pretty damn consistent uh okay. not really so much no uh no nothing man nothing i can't really think of anything another question okay. good um being such a foodie what do you always yeah. have in your fridge a good yogurt um uh good yogurt okay yeah like i've uh, never had that kef one before kef 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 no, no have you ever tried have you ever yeah. tried kefir yeah I love kefir's it. pretty good yeah so okay bio probiotics it is i also understand like there's standard yogurt which is like in singapore we have like these big brands like marigold whatever just off the shelf yeah. tastes sweet yeah. like watery but when you have like really good yogurt that's like whoa creamy and thick and like yeah yeah i think as you get older you kind of like want to eat something really healthy um and you gravitate away from the strong taste like the sweet or salty mm -hmm. or whatever so like uh try kefir like uh supposedly like more there's more good bacteria in that i'm oh, yeah. sorry health advice but uh it's 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 it just gets you uh started off the right day apart from my like a good a good cup of coffee from the nearby uh the place i always take photos is uh craftsman so just down like a shameless plug for, for them just down sea club um i always get a, a cappuccino over there that wasn't a plug for them it just means people are going to go there to try and meet you <laughs> I, I met a few people over there to be honest uh, <laughs> hey dude like you're taking wrist shots again <laughs> like sorry guilty <laughs> <laughs> right the last photo of a watch on your phone what was the what was the watch Ooh, let me see let me just check <laughs> let me see yeah. what did i what did i take, <clears throat> what did you take? Um, not, not necessarily you have to post it not the post like literally what was the last watch photo you i was i was literally at the craftsman buying a coffee just now and i took a wrist shot i did, did a wrist roll in my uh my roc my 50th um on my wrist so um I, that was the last photo and my wife is like 
you got like 10,000 photos of watches, like maybe 10 or 15,000 photos of watches, just the same, wa- like different watches, different positions and stuff <laughs> like that. Like that anybody else will be like, you got a problem. But I think for watch people, like, yeah, that's too little. Yeah. I think probably you can have more. Yeah. So you, you, the answer is like, the light's different. The light's always <laughs> different. Yeah. The background's different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my, my foot was like, yeah exactly the foot was showing or in cases like long long they want the foot to show yeah Yeah. Uh, i'm so so glad that you got that one yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're such an idiot dan um right uh long last one one trait that you love about yourself I'm not afraid to look stupid. Um, I mean, I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, if you don't make mistakes, you'll never sort of learn like what you like, what what um, what watches or you know, like, whether it's in in your collecting journey or whether it's in your job or you know, your being a father or whatever. I think you gotta be willing to ask the stupid questions, um, sound like an idiot, um, but at least you know you'll learn from it. I think in our culture, especially Singaporean culture, um, in the classrooms, like mm. you're just scared to look like an idiot, raise your hand and ask a dumb question, um, prove that you weren't listening, whatever. Um, but at least you learn. Like most people, I think Singaporeans like to like to see other people fail. Uh, they like to sort of like, oh, I'm not gonna make that mistake. I'm just gonna watch that guy look like a complete fool, and then just learn from him. You know what I mean? Which is a sad, it's a sad thing. Like for me, what's looking like I needed, like it's maybe five minutes of humiliation, and then after you're not gonna see this person ever again. So what, what does it matter to you, to to you, right? I just move on. Mm. That's what. That's at least for me, right? I don't really care what people think. So um, mm. as long as my family is cool with me, I'm I'm fine. So that's kind of like my mantra. That mm. allows me to have some sanity, like um, not caring too much about what people think, and as long as the people who matter to you. Um, uh, trust uh, that your your head's on the right way. Mm. Easy words to say, hard to actually do. Yeah, yeah. to not give a yeah. crap about when. Yeah, it's really hard to do. No, but... yeah, I know. I, sometimes you get pissed off. I, I I've been guilty once in a while. Um, not because uh I get hung up on it, but it's more like you hear from people. So I've moved on from toxic people. Um, people who used to be friends. I moved on from them. I mean, we can have offline conversation about that, but, you know, mm. to tell you who they are. But, <laughs> but I mean, uh, for the sake of the podcast, I'll keep it anonymous. Um, but, yeah, I mean, people who you realize are toxic or pretentious or fake, uh, you move away and you block them on social media mm. uh, for your own sanity. But then friends who follow them sort of tell you, hey, this and that, and you go get it a little bit hung up on it. The reason is because you just don't want negativity in your life. You just, you know, life's too short for for negativity, um, and and you're just happy with with the people that you know you can trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys whether whether you've come across some situations like that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, Longan and I generally like have this conversation a lot off air. Uh, mm. I would say it plays quite a big part of our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, like looking for positivity and mainly mm-hmm. fulfillment in life. 
um, mm. and how the people around you can uh, really like affect that mm -hmm. you know because we're all human beings so we are quite reactive uh, to yep. situations and to certain people and if you don't have the right people around you uh, it can make your life pretty crap mm -hmm. right yeah um, yep. and you know I think you also don't find enough time you know to focus on yourself as well so you need, you need it's everything's a time investment right which is like really really as you get older you appreciate like how valuable that is um and who you decide to kind of spend that time with it's not there because yeah. you're it's, you make that decision right mm. um yeah. and you have to be more respectful of your own time on who you spend that on right mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i think you got what you guys are doing is is really cool um, and I, I would imagine that, you know, for every person that thinks that there's always going to be a bunch of people who are naysayers and they're thinking like, why well, you guys, you know, so free to do this. And, you know, uh, I wonder what's your ulterior motive. What's your, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of people who always come in from a different angle. They're kind of cynical about it. They always thinking about, you know, um, trying to stir shit about stuff like that when it's like obviously you guys are just passionate about watches you want to you know have conversations with and banter with people who, who share the same hobbies it's, it's mm -hmm. just as pure as that um you know what i mean like and keeping it real i think for me just keeping it real is really important in this in this um, hobby there's a lot of pretentious people out there there's a lot of people who can't keep it real maybe because of their own insecurities yeah. um like you know we talk about taking all these Instagramable photos where you're wearing like perfect clothes. <laughs> like you're not wearing this everywhere. Let's be honest. Right. Like, let's be honest, like, mm -hmm. especially in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, it is no curated life, if you will. Um, I, I find it very hard to believe, um, obviously for just for Instagram or whatever. Um, I understand, but in reality, if anyone tells me that that's what they're wearing, um, that does, to me doesn't sound like you have to be real. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like what you you guys are doing, I, I at least you know after talking to you, um, you you can you can the, the genuine the the genuineness sort of comes through, the authenticity comes through, uh, and you can tell some people when you talk to them, they're like there's always there's this guarded feeling. You always feel like they don't want to tell you everything. They kind of like want to show the best part of themselves to you mm. then you just feel like mm, i don't know whether i want to invest more time in, in this you know friendship or this interaction mm -hmm. at least for me yeah I agree. no fair, yeah. fair yeah fair 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 comments i mean we're probably going to look to evolve the podcast uh soon um still keep like watches and stuff but just like you know keep expanding keep pushing um but you know, I after we started, you know, the nobody really did like this interview format kind of thing, or like they did, but it might have been like the odd one, you know, and it was just mm -hmm. podcasts of just two people talking with each other. And I think um, you know, there's a new podcast uh, by Adrian Barker and um, what's his face, Banford, George Banford, and this other dude. Um, it's called like about effing time. So I think that's probably a really good podcast. I, I would say because the production is probably really, really good and the content is probably well curated. Mm. But you know, we had Adrian Barker on, and I think I'm not saying like 
but that that format is very similar to ours yeah and i think people see something and i think if people like think oh you know that's the way it should be done and you know they got positivity out of what we did and you know they might even do a better job than us actually to be honest uh that's a good thing you know yeah yeah so one knob said about like whatever you do whether it's with him and his business or us with this podcast there's always going to be haters right and maybe i'm Mm. delusional but the way i always think about anyone that says anything negative about anybody it can even be something as small as this girl looks crap in this dress i always just think like two things like one you're having a bad day but two i just think that's because we're living your dream like okay even if the dream is just trying something that might fail you're just scared to do it so i'm failing yeah. for you and you're just jealous yeah yeah, yeah it's 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 a uh, it's pretty true probably you know the people who are just you know talking about it rather than doing it a lot of people like that, they're very insecure. So it's part of the school system. You know, you're scared to fail. You're scared to look dumb. For me, I feel it's temporary, right? Like as long as you've got your support system, the people around you, you trust, mm. who know they got the best interest for you. Yeah. And you're, you're validating yourself through them in a way, like, in, like vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really care about the other people. I mean, mm. for me, honestly, I started Instagram not because I wanted validation. It was very much of a electronic, like a, a virtual photo gallery. If you will. I didn't want to keep it like print photos and whatever. I just kept it on my phone, like, posted it somewhere so at least I could review it, or, like, look back on it mm-hmm. um, as like a photo journal. So like for me, it was very much for myself. But a lot of people are very much like, you know, they really get a lot and sometimes it, you're guilty of it. Sometimes you feel like I need to post something. You go like, "Am I doing it for myself? Or am I doing it for mm. for like validation?" Then you start thinking, "No, I'm not going to do it so much. I'm going to purposely not post as much stuff." Mm. So like, yeah. sometimes I just take I, I sort of take a break a little bit just to get some sanity. Mm. My wife always reminds me as well. You know, oh, your dinner time, don't touch your phone. You know, da da da. Mm. So it's kind of uh, it, it really helps get your sanity back because I think that a lot of people who are addicted and they don't know um, mm-hmm. it's just so we're so hooked on the phone right I mean um, and it's it's a problem it's a problem for a lot of people um, because in the past like I don't know about you guys but I grew up in a time where we started uh, IRC chat <laughs> you know you know what that is it's like you have to log in to talk to your friends you know can you imagine the process and the pain of having to go onto a computer run the program and then log into the chat and then oh we're talking now but now it's on your phone forever like 24 7 so your brain is not conditioned to to have that kind of you know text uh texting uh you know strain you know it's gonna cause some problems for all of us yeah yeah right well yeah we're gonna put an end to this podcast because i think we could go on for hours literally yeah um (laughs) we have to end the podcast um i hope everybody enjoyed it thank you very very much not for coming on to the show and speaking so candidly about your experiences and your own personal you know you even talked about a little bit about your family so you know i think the audience will really appreciate how genuine you you were and hopefully um they will know the man behind the account and have a better idea of of you i think if anything you know good thing about this podcast is that we do thankfully we have quite a strong listener base i would say and people that listen to us they they probably know us 
And so there's a whole bunch of people that I would say we've been pretty genuine to some extent on this podcast, right? And so kind of of don't have to worry about what people think, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate you guys taking the time to, you know, uh, to talk about stuff as well. I mean, everyone's putting themselves out there. It's not easy. Uh, We're all kind of out there. Um, But I think it's, give me a real, at the end of the day, I think, um, is what matters most and we're going to be all pretentious about it on 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 this podcast and i think I would, it's a waste of time um so yeah you know, keep doing what you guys are doing i love to see what what else uh this evolves into next um but yeah it was it's been a blast uh it was, like i said we probably could talk for another three hours or have another coffee somewhere and whenever you're in singapore let me know um yeah, especially long as well like yeah. she's supposed to be here i don't know but <laughs> That was yeah, I could, I could just my... see it. I could just see it now. Daniel, yeah. yeah. Like, are you coming for coffee? And then it'll yeah. be the next question. Is Lung Lung coming with you? And I'll say <laughs> no. And then it'll be like scene. <laughs> <laughs> right, but let's do chicken rice. That's like everyone, oh. like if you know, you know. Like that chicken rice. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Whenever. All right. Yeah, all, all right, right guys. Yeah. All the best. Take care. Thanks. See you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to the Waiting List podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at the Waiting List podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.